and welcome to the Company Watch on the Spot podcast. I'm Joe Kettner, CEO of Company Watch, and I'm joined by Nick Hood, financial and commercial risk analyst. Welcome, Nick. Good morning, Joe. We are recording today's episode on Tuesday, the 28th of June, and our headline topic for today is inflation. So we we got the latest inflation figures um, last week. I forget the day. Last Wednesday. Last Wednesday. Um, Not really any big surprise. I mean, actually, in a way, a good thing because it wasn't a big surprise, but it's still pretty horrendous. Yes, I mean it's um, <clears throat> it's a sort of grinding ever onwards. Um, CPI was up to nine point one percent, which is not much of a change from April at nine percent. But you know, you say a thing like that, and you um, you know you're being incredibly complacent for the you know about those people for whom uh, you know nine percent is Armageddon, and I'm afraid there's an awful lot of those. Very interesting split um, if you break that nine point one percent down. Inflation on goods was 12.4%, but on services, only for only, I say, 4.9%, um, which as we discussed beforehand, that suggests that the, uh, the the upward pressure on wage rates is not yet feeding through, through. In, into, uh, into inflation in the service sector. Um, uh, one little tiny, tiny sliver of good news was that core inflation which strips out, among other things, energy prices, fell ever, ever so slightly um, in the month. Um, where the where you really do stand back and gasp when you look at the numbers is when you look at what's happening for manufacturers. Yeah, you know, which yeah. is all right, n- not as dominant in the economy as as uh, it, it was in days days of yore and pre Thatcher, but um, input costs for manufacturers. In May, on a year-on-year basis, we're up 22.1%. I know, it's sort of, oh, highest since records began in January 85, and I think probably for a long time before that. Um, But if you look at the other end of that equation, so input costs up 22.1%, factory gate prices, factory output uh, prices up 15.7%. So there is a gap yeah, and we would expect that to to narrow at some so, point, and unfortunately, that will be, you know, again, yeah. infl- an inflationary spiral. Yes, so you know, much, much, you know, much inflation still in the pipeline, and and at the risk of um, getting folksy on everybody, um, I have a, an American bankruptcy practitioner friend who once famously described a very similar situation to this when I asked him. Uh, to tell an audience what um, what was going on in the um, American real estate um, bankruptcy market. And he looked wistfully at the audience and said, the pig is only part way through the snake. I.e., there's more to come. There's more to come. There's more mm. to come. Um, I also looked, um, because I was prompted by some um, uh, eagle-eyed journalist, uh, EU inflation um, across the 27 countries, very similar to ours, 8.8%, up from 8.1% in April. So it's accelerating fast there. But if you break it down between the 27 EU countries, as I say, the average is 8.8%. UK is at 9.1%. If you look to the, uh, if you look above the UK, you're looking at um, the 
Baltic countries and, and a lot of Eastern European countries with relatively small economies, but also Belgium and uh, the Netherlands. Belgium's important because, of course, um, uh, car and beers dominate, oh, dominate the market there. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at those countries um, that with lower inflation rates than ours, it's the big European countries. So it is Germany. It's Spain. Um, on a slightly smaller but um, relevant for us, Ireland, um, Italy, France. Um, Germany is pretty close to us at sort of around 8%. France, however, is below 6 Impressive. Which may owe something, but probably not just uh, to this particular factor. Um, the French government has been extremely proactive in capping the energy prices for consumers. I believe they capped the rise at 4%. Right. Um, little different to what we've seen here. Absolutely. And so that's something to, that's a, an interesting set of stats to keep an eye on and see yes. what happens um, over over period. And I guess, you know, we've talked before, haven't we? Um, and maybe this is something to come back to in, a, in another episode of the impact of currency exchange rates on input prices and inflation and everything else. Yes. And, you know, yep. at the moment it's a dollar that's really kind of running away and, and euro and, and pound are, are kind of are, are suffering from that. But I guess there will be an interesting point if the, if, if the pound is left, you know, relatively weaker than the yep. others, we'll see an impact on those, um, on those comparative uh, uh, inflation rates. Yeah. I mean, we also um, last week got the uh, retail sales volume figures. Now, um, a lot of people, including me, um, in the retail punditry game who don't have a lot of time for these figures. But um, nonetheless, they show a couple of very interesting trends. Um, they would Retail sales in May were down 0.5%. Food sales, this is, but remember, this is volume, not price. So inflation is not impacting this. Yeah. Um, well, not directly anyway. Um, food sales were the biggest contributor to that fall. Food sales by volume were down 1.6%. Um, the most noticeable falls are were at the major supermarkets, which is frankly not very surprising since mm. that's that's the whole um, market, really, isn't it? The whole market, really. So down 1.6%. And yet amazingly, in May the volume of petrol and diesel sales rose despite the price increases they rose and you had an interesting point earlier on of course which is that these are the may numbers when the price of petrol was more like 160 160 165 168 so now we're in a position where 190 is not uncommon at the pump so yeah. again you know we're going to see you know i know this is about volumes but you'd expect both um volumes to be impacted but also that's going to have an impact on inflation when we look at the g numbers isn't it yes 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 it will i mean it seems to me entirely anecdotally um, and bearing in mind i spend time on the on on that wonderful racetrack called the M25 quite regularly seems to me that actually um traffic volumes are down in the last month, but that's entirely, absolutely anecdotal um, on that. Um, the other number that uh, dropped um, on economists last week, same day as the uh, retail sales figures, was the you know, highly respected and, and heavily followed GFK Consumer Confidence Index fell by one point in May to minus 41. That is the worst 
reading on that index since it began in 1974. This is interesting, isn't it? So we have had, we spent most of 2020 looking at these indices, saying, oh, it's the worst since records began. And, you know, we've had two things here, haven't we, just in this episode, which you know, where the, where the pandemic wasn't the low point and we're, yeah. we're kind of now in another trough yes. in terms of, um, in, in terms of some of these, these measures. So it really does feel like we're, when we're, we're not kind of sailing out of the other side and there's lots more kind of choppy yeah. waters. Um, it, it, choppy yes, waters which, 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 which is why I continue to throw things at my laptop. Um, every time I see an economist, and there's been a lot of this in the last week or so talking about, um, uh, the possibility of a mild recession later later in the year. I'm thinking, defined, mi- define yeah. mild for me, please. Anyway, so GFK Consumer Confidence Index at record low level of minus 41. We also had the um, ONS um, figures on public sector borrowing. I think that was Friday last week. Um, May, uh, the government borrowed 14 billion, third highest since 1993, but yeah, of course. May May twenty and May twenty one were the first and second uh, yeah. in, in in that in that ranking. Um, economists expected twelve billion, and the OBR had predicted ten point three billion. And that's back in March, was it? That was like the last back in March. So you can mm. see the, the 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 rather headlong rate of deterioration going on here. Mm. The major factor in the uh, increase in borrowings was interest payments rose 7.6 billion in the month. Uh, the OBR predicted 5.1 billion. Of course, this is all to do with the fact that at least a quarter of all government debt is linked to inflation. Um, the good news is, of course, that uh, tax receipts were better. But as you pointed out, Joe, it's all that lovely fuel duty and VAT on, um, mm. on petrol and, and, and petrol and diesel. Yeah. Well, interestingly, I, I picked up, and we hadn't discussed it beforehand, uh, uh, Joe, an, an interesting little snippet. Somebody's ascertained that the HMRC think that um, a, a, a roster of 208 major companies have underpaid VAT by £2.7 billion. Now, I suspect this is this is highly technical. It's about the sort of rows that happen over whether whether a Jaffa cake is a cake or a biscuit, you know. And and so, but it was an interesting snippet of um, maybe it, it says something about the stress about tax collection, um, you know, with the Treasury under pressure to raise more money to plug the gap. But um, in the scheme of things, two point seven billion isn't a huge. Amount really, you know, if we're no. talking about fourteen billion government yeah, yeah. costs and things. But I, you know, if they're taking the, the the kind of quote famous road, every little helps. That's yes. kind of an interesting. Um, and you know, I think we've we've I've seen quite a lot on, on um, LinkedIn about HMRC investigations into R and D claims, for example. Yeah. There seems to be a lot of of activity. Yeah. Um, as you say, HMRC looking at lots of different areas to um, to try and close um, close gaps that might have been in previous times. Perhaps you know too low a threshold yeah. to to really to really look into. Yeah, and 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 the last thing that sort of caught my attention uh, last week was we got the May insolvency figures out of the insolvency service, and uh, we had at headline levels on a month-on-month basis, it looked like one of those moments when the insolvency practitioner in me says, 
oh, bother, the trend's going in the wrong direction. And the caring economist um, uh, in me said, oh, thank goodness for that. Um, both reactions, I think, were wrong. Uh, corporate insolvencies in May fell by 9% on April uh, to 1,817. That is still 79% higher than May 2021. And, it, and it's probably slightly more interesting, 34%, so a third up on May 2019, mm, wow. pre-pandemic. Now, fine. Okay, so, and, and within those numbers, um, uh, CVLs, where the directors are calling time, are beginning to um, fall away. They're, they're dropping, but compulsory winding up um, figures are rising. I mean, unsurprisingly, uh, our friend and occasional contributor, Greg uh, Connell, was pointing out that uh, HMRC is getting um, is 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 getting busier in its yeah. activity. Um, and that's coming, that is being, you know, other, other people I think are also yeah. giving us that, that um, feedback as well, HMRC. And as we've just talked about, HMRC are active now. Are, are definitely active. But actually that, all of this prompted me to go away and wrap my head in a towel and, and try and look at this in a slightly different way. And uh, I think we're so busy because we're so focused on what the heck's happening with um, business failures as we come out of, as the government pulls away or has pulled away all the support from the pandemic, that we're too busy looking at months. So what I did was to go and look at the trends. And if you take the five months to May, and again, we always only look at England and Wales figures for insolvencies, but if you add in Scotland, you add in Northern Ireland, you get a complete UK picture. In the first five months of the year, there were 9,502 business failures, corporate failures. And that's 21% up on the on pre-pandemic, mm-hmm. same period. If you annualize that 9,502, apologies for going all numbers, maths, and stats on you. Um, if you annualize that figure, you get a, a, a predicted figure for 2022 of 22,805. Failures, wow. which would be 23% up on 2019 and would be right up there with the worst of the um, the chaos that followed the global financial crisis, mm. so, so 2011, 2012 time. So, you know, people keep saying to me inside the insolvency profession, we talk about it on this podcast, uh, and, and friends and acquaintances always say, what's happening to this, ins- this tsunami of insolvencies? Actually, we didn't notice it's here. Yeah, we it's here, yeah. and 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 you know that the twenty two thousand eight hundred that I'm talking about as an annualized figure off the first first five months is very close to the prediction by Atreides uh, in uh, last month that there would be twenty three thousand. And my worry, and we we have talked about this periodically on this podcast, is that I think the insolvency profession, the official receiver, uh, receiver's office, we are cl- you know it is close to uh, capacity already. So if we get a cost of living consumer confidence uh, implosion uh, driven uh, surge in further surge in insolvencies, I'm not sure. Who's going to deal with them? Well, this is really interesting, isn't it? Because we, I had another um, feedback from uh, an insolvency practitioner, and again, you know, reporting similar thing. Busy, 
the the industries that they highlighted were healthcare, social care, elderly care, basically, and that's the higher cost of you know staff and yeah. you yeah. know inflation of supplies as well. Um, so that's kind of causing problems. And then there's obviously the consumer spending side that we're we're seeing. We we picked out in the in those figures that you you had earlier on. Um, and the most in common common inquiry type that they're dealing with is that online retail. And this is the class. It's coming back to what you've said, Nick. Is the what do you call it? You, you've got a lovely phrase. Icarus is it? The Icarus. Problem? Yes, yes. Online retail has 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 done an Icarus on this, flown way too close to the sun, yeah. built up too much capacity, and oh dear, you know we're being deserted by our online customers who are not shopping physically. Again. Or not shopping at all. I mean, yeah. you know, looking at looking at the um the kind of sectors, particularly there, jewelry, garden furniture, garden equipment, vaping supplies, printed yeah. personalized gifts. So the kind of lower um, value discretionary spend, but also, and I've heard this from a few other people, it's the kind of bigger the kitchen, the flooring, those things in a build that typically come towards the end of the build where the money's run out because the costs are yeah. higher or or whatever. Um so you know, we're we're really starting to see the kind of ripple effects of how um, of how this yep. is starting to, to impact the insolvencies, and that, and that will come through one, one imagines in the insolvency rates over the over the, the coming months. So yeah, thank you, Nick, yep. for for for, draw, for looking at those so so carefully because I think there's some interesting um, interesting things in there. I think that rounds up. I think everything that we I had so. on inflation, and I think you know that inflation. Um, you know that that core of, of of how that is is impacting all these other um, other areas is really is really something we we need to kind of keep keep coming back to and and, and we will promise we will keep coming back to these <laughs> um, these things. So all that remains is is for me to thank you, Nick, very much um, as ever. Thanks to our listeners. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.